Welcome to Season 3, Episode 1 on Living on the Edge of Chaos. This is Coffee Chug, and I am so excited to get Season 3 up and running and underway for you. This season, we are going to be talking with some game changers, some educators doing some amazing stuff, challenging the status quo of education, and pushing the boundaries of what it means to learn and to teach, and how to figure all that out in all the stress and anxiety and things piling up on, on the plate of teachers across the, the nation and the world. In this first episode, I have the amazing Tammy Dunbar. We're going to talk about Genius Hour, not just Genius Hour in the general sense, but the amazing groundbreaking work of stuff that she's discovering and finding, how to make it work, and why it's so important that we don't treat students as a simple test number. We've got to start thinking about kids as people, as real human beings, and not just data and, and numbers on a spreadsheet. So let's jump into this conversation. You're going to love it. This is a, a lot of great one-liners that she shares, little nuggets of wisdom that I can't wait to tweet out and share for the rest of you to go through. Enjoy. Season 3, Episode 1, Living on the Hello, everyone. This is Coffee Chug. This is uh, Coffee Chug, and I'm here getting ready to open up Season 3 of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And just like previous years, we're looking to have real talk with real educators doing phenomenal things, but not losing sight of the hardships and realities of what it means to be an educator in education, in public education, in private, in homeschool, no matter where you are. Um, it's not always easy, but it's a passion in the way we do things. So without further ado, I want to bring in this awesome lady uh, who I feel so fortunate enough to have met um, actually through the Microsoft Innovative Expert Program. Um, but the topic of today is so much grander than that. So uh, Tammy, real quick, why don't you jump in and tell everybody who you are and uh, what you do? Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Tammy Breck Dunbar. I'm in Manteca, California, USA. I teach fifth grade at a Title I school in Manteca Unified School District, and I also teach technology to interns in pre-service at Teachers College of San Joaquin in Stockton. I, Like Aaron said, we met through the Microsoft Innovative Educator Expert Program, and I've got a lot of certifications through Microsoft and PBS and, and all the other ABCs, 123s, um, and I really, really love Genius Hour, which is what Aaron's asked me to come here and talk about. It's made a real difference in my classroom. Uh, I do other things on the side, just my secret is that I play the organ and piano and accordion, just so you know. Yes, and, and for those that don't know Tammy, she does a ton of stuff, and I'll make sure that in the show notes you get to see all the stuff that she does. I don't. I, I think she lives in a world where her day is in 24 hours, uh, which is like a lot of people that I get lucky enough to talk to and, and, and come across. Um, and like Tammy said, she 
is here today to talk about the genius hour. And I think it, it's, it, it's a term. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people nod their head and go, yeah, I know what it is. Um, and whether we use it or not, tons of people are, are invested in it. But if I can just so we can make sure we, we set the stage here a little bit. Um, could you give the quick 30 second elevator pitch of what Genius Hour Liberating Genius is? Because I know we could talk for hours on it, but if we had to condense it down, what is it? Okay. So Genius Hour started with the 3M company way back in the 60s when they gave their employees about 20% of their time to work on a project they were passionate about. And because of that project, we got post-it notes. Yay, post-it notes. So Angela Myers decided, hey, that's the kind of thing we can bring into the classroom. And let's tap into the, our students' passions because students are so much more likely to be involved in research and learning when it's something they're excited about rather than, oh, today we're going to study about dead people at a time that has no effect on you, really. So Genius Hour allows students to pick a project that they find uh, exciting and invigorating, uh, allows them to research a problem, uh, to learn a skill, or to, did I say solve a problem? So, and then it has to be approved by the teacher. And then the students have, I, I take the almost the whole year where the students work on the project, we conference back and forth. And then the big thing is the presentation. Now, the liberating genius lessons that you alluded to, uh, that's an ebook, also a hard copy book. Now you can get on Amazon, not pitching, but you can, uh, by uh, Angela. And there are 20 walk-up lessons to Genius Hour. I had the privilege of being able to test drive them last year. And in your liner notes, please do put the link in there for my OneNote, uh, which has all of my lessons that I did and all my enhancements free, teacher's favorite F word, uh, so people can use those. So these 20 walk-up lessons prepare students to engage in their genius hour. So at the beginning, we start talking about, am I really a genius, Mrs. Dunbar? I don't really feel like one. So we start tapping into that. And that's kind of the genesis for genius hour. That was a little longer than 30 seconds. but No, no it works. It's good. And so one of the things that you talked about, or you, you made, made the comment in there, you said, um, you know, because people, the, the kids don't want to do this research because, you know, like, like who are these, these, these dead people and these civilizations or whatever it might be, you could insert A, B or C within whatever those topics. Um, so, so how does Genius Hour take the, that concept of where, te where not teachers, but students are not invested or they're not, not intrigued by the, the linear movement of what we think of curriculum and how does how does the, the, that genius hour help perk their interest? When you know if they've been in a system, and you know I look at a lot of middle school kids, it just kind of feel like it's just like tell me what I got to do, like almost like zombies. Like, okay, wait for the bell. I do this. I check it off. You know, um, how can this this idea get them to go? Holy cow! There's learning can be can be so much more. It's more of a self discovery, really. It's it's not the kind of thing, and that's why I like the walk up lessons because it really preps them for that. But I, I like to use one of my favorite examples is a student who was totally into soccer, and he loved Ronaldo and and I can't even remember the other player who's who's big in soccer. But he was very excited about soccer, and I said, "Well, okay, what's so great about those two players?" Well, and he started rattling off, you know, their statistics, and I said, "Yeah, but." There's got to be something, you know, can you compare them and contrast them? Can you find something that's different? So this kid went and read statistics and interviews and just did the whole nine yards. He made this presentation that had video of them running side by side, comparing strides. And then he was very excited because he found out one of them was total paleo meathead and the other one was a total carb head. And he was like, 
paleo? What's that? So now he starts following that, you know, rabbit hole and going down and learning all about that. And organically, this student has learned how to research because he's fascinated. And when students are fascinated and engaged by something, then they want to learn more and they will find a way to learn more. I like that. I love that. I think the the key word is that that they want to, um, you know, and it's not this kind of forced down approach. And I think even with best intentions with teachers, I don't think any teacher is trying to force any kid to learn that they want them to be excited about learning. Um, But there's so much on the teacher's plate in this day and age that, you know, sometimes it comes across like we have, we've got to force that. Um, And so that kind of moves into my next question here. So we we talk about how great this is and I can even speak from experience. We were super fortunate enough to have a grant several years back. We were able to have a whole day with Angela Myers um, and so many great things came of that where students started to see their voice move into action. Um, but in that context where, where teachers do feel that burden, there's so much that they have to get done in a day and so much to get done in a year. How can teachers find the time for a genius hour or how can they kind of connect the dots? Because I know if, if there's teachers listening in going, well, this all sounds great, but I've got a hundred standards and I've got, you know, you can, the list goes on and on. So how can they, bridge this to start to get their feet wet to to see the potential in this well i'm lucky that i'm in a district where we've got a little bit of leeway so i'm able to do like for example we usually do genius hour in the afternoon we do core subjects in the morning language arts and and math but in the afternoon i'll cycle through science or social studies and such but quite frankly i can make the argument i can attach almost any standard to genius hour especially in language arts so you know it's just the idea of if you can't squeeze it into your classroom day it's not confined to your classroom day you could actually introduce it in the classroom and then when you tell the students hey you're going to get to study something you want to study and I always allow families to help their students, then if they're turned on right away, they're going to be doing this at home as well as any free time at school. And that's another time my students are allowed to do their research is if they've finished a math assignment in class, then by all means, you may work on your Genius Hour project. So we just squeeze it in where we can. I love that. I love that. So one of the things um, I'm actually reading – um, George Carlson's uh, book, The Innovative Mindsets, in, in, in that MOOC right now. And one of the things that continues to stick out to me um, is this idea where he's trying to push for beyond these pockets of innovation, where there's really great things happening in pockets in, in schools. Um, and so how if, – if people – there's I know a ton of people listening in have, have done Genius Hour. There's a lot of people that want to but maybe can't quite figure out how to make it work and – my advice is just go do it because if it's good for kids, you're not going to lose your job. Now, I know it's easy for me to say, uh, but with that, how can we take the idea of this idea of liberating genius and genius hour, which in my mind still feels like a bit of a pocket of innovation, like we're trying to create this special time in our day that doesn't feel like school, um, and, and weave that mindset or that culture into everything we do, like do you, have you come across any ideas where you can – not everything can just be kids do everything, whatever they want, whenever they want, but the idea where they get excited and weave that into the core subjects in the morning. Have I woven Genius Hour into the core subjects in the morning? It, it gets woven throughout the day, quite frankly. Okay. Um, 
because the students all well, for example, so if we're doing a regular language arts curriculum and, you know, maybe a word comes up or a concept comes up they're not familiar with, then it's like, well, how can we find out about it? Well, go ahead and do some research. So, you know, you've got the genius, you've got tools at your hands, use them. That's what they're there for. So now we're doing, for example, we're doing math. Minecraft is huge right now. That's kids are totally into it. We're lucky to have it in our classroom. So our morning bell ringer, which used to be a brain teaser, is now a math question. I mean, a standard, you know, double digit times a triple digit uh, figure uh, multiplied. And these students are doing it in Minecraft and showing me their answers in Minecraft, which is super cool. And we just started doing area and volume. So they're building the cubes and they're figuring out and they're seeing it and they're like excited about multiplication. Right. So, you know, just using some of the tools at hand. And I know that's not specifically Genius Hour. I do have some kids that will be using Minecraft for their Genius Hour. But um, so just tapping in, and I think it's also, uh, you were saying, how do we get this into a school day? How do we not get it into a school day, especially the liberating genius? Because these are more character development lessons. And, you know, we have students, I'm in a Title I school, and we have students who come to us with all kinds of challenges. And one of the things, you know, you can have the best lesson in the world, and if you don't have management, if they're not engaged and ready to learn, not going to happen. So these lessons start having the students focus in on, well, do I have a genius? And who are the people I look up to? And why do I look up to them? And what qualities do they have that make me look up to them? And, oh, if I want to be successful, maybe I should use those qualities. And, you know, what are my strengths? And, oh, you think I'm this way? And, oh, you think I have that strength? And, oh, I think I do have that strength. So when they start building character like that and having confidence in themselves, we're tapping into genius right away. So genius isn't just about their particular passion. It's just igniting that fire. So it just lights up everything that they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely making them aware of themselves and the skill sets that they have, which I think is so hard. I always, I always tell the story all the time about there's trying to get kids to reflect on, on a learning process. We're a project-based learning school. And when you get to the end, you know, there's still a lot of focus on the finished piece, but really the journey is important. But because I think so many times kids don't understand how much they've actually learned about themselves and even the, the information and stuff that they've acquired. It's like, oh, like I don't I didn't even put two and two together to see where I've gotten, you know, and, and that's a lot. I think what you're saying that that genius, it starts to spread. We see that even like with our makerspace stuff where we get kids doing things and now we've got kids coming in from language arts and math class hey can i can i use this tool to show my like it just starts to self-infest so what becomes a a pocket of innovation slowly starts to trinkle where they start to realize like oh i can do this i can i can showcase this and whether it's subconscious or not i think that's where that's the 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 excitement of it all like it just starts to funnel to everything Absolutely. It's giving them the confidence that they need to tackle those things. And if we expect students to be prepared for 21st century jobs, what is it Sir Ken Robinson says? We're preparing them for jobs we don't even know what they're going to look like in five years. But we know it's going to involve communication, collaboration, creativity, and critical thinking. And Genius Hour allows them to to use all those muscles. So once they start stretching those muscles, it just naturally reaches out to the core subjects. Because once you get doing it, it's just like when you work out you get those you know endorphins going and you're like give me more give me more i'm ready right right so they're totally amped i love it 
And and you were talking about the character development and, and just that awareness where they start to think like, well, maybe I do have something to offer the world, which I think is so important. And and right before we hit record, you were talking about something really really fascinating that that you came across last year that I think is 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 important as people hear this and then obviously it's going to drive interest to see what you find this year. So um, could you could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think you're on to something really, really important that I think all teachers are going to nod their head with. I would be happy to. I Even though my, my master's degree is in STEM, I'm not a scientist, so this is not scientific. It was an observation. So last year, we started uh, test driving Angela Meyer's Liberating Genius at the end of our first trimester, just when the book came out and when she asked us to do it. So at the end of the second trimester, uh, we were about eh, three-fifths, four-fifths of the way through the Liberating Genius, and we took our second trimester proficiencies. And, of course, like a good teacher, I was comparing first trimester to second trimester. And I looked at the proficiency scores, and I was in shock because in the first trimester, I had 13 students who were far below basic in math and one who was advanced. In the second trimester, it was flipped. I had 13 who were advanced, one far below basic. And now I like to think I'm a good teacher, but I didn't do anything differently except teach Genius Hour. So I was very excited. I made the observation in a blog, and Angela reached out, and we've got two PhD candidates who are going to be surveying my class. I have not done Genius Hour to this point. Our trimester, first trimester ends next week, Friday. So I'm very excited because I get yeah, to start yeah, the lessons. Yeah, yeah. And then we'll see if we can replicate it. I mean, the whole idea, I think, and, and I saw it in my students. Once they had that confidence, it was like, we can tackle this problem. We can do this. Uh, what I saw last year when we did the Liberating Genius lessons is we had, a, for example, a canned food drive. You know, the one that comes out every Thanksgiving. Yep. And I had a little gaggle of girls that said, well, who gets the food? Who gathers it? Where does it go? I said, that's a great question. Why don't you go find out? So one of them actually went to the Second Harvest Food Bank that gathers it. Uh, several did research. They came back and they said, well, here's how much our school collected last year and here's who needs it. Did you know we have more than a 1,000 hungry people or, or families in our community? Like, wow, we need to feed them. <laughs> well, okay, let's do something. Yeah. So they came up with we're on a street here that's very busy and we had a big window display and the girls wrote a newspaper article. Long story short, we more than doubled what we had done the year awesome. before. And so now I've got fifth graders who feel like I can change the world. I can make a difference. I'm powerful. Uh, what do I have to teach them? They feel empowered. Yeah. So I, I think there's a correlation with students feeling that empowerment that I can make a difference to. Yeah, I can take a test. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think there's – I could go on and on. That idea of like teaching and learning, and learning really is so much about mindset. Um, and sometimes I always say, and teaching is so much about control. I don't, I mean, you got to have both of both worlds, but if you focus on, on, on the learning, it's that mindset piece. And I know, and I, and I think that the key, you know, um, you were talking about, you know, wasn't anything that I did with the, with the change of the numbers, but what you've done, which I think is what connects with everyone who's involved with, with kids of any sort of nature is what you've done is you've, you've established relationships, um, within that genius that we're able to sit and talk with kids and, and all the, the simple thing of go find out how many, how liberating is that for kids that for so long have to sit and wait and be told what to do where they're almost so scared to even have their own thoughts um, for whatever the context might be. And, and here through a genius hour, you're going, let's go do it together. And like it, it levels the, 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 the parallel lines where it's teacher, student. Now you guys are, we're going to go dive in this together. Um, and I think, 
that's that's so powerful. Um, well, and that's huge because the teacher also has to be vulnerable and the teacher has to allow him or herself to show the students that we don't know everything yeah. and it's okay that we don't know everything. So uh, that's the one message I have for all the teachers I teach is, you know, show the vulnerable. If you can't get the sound to work on the projector, it's okay. Show them how you're problem solving <laughs> right? because when they get older, technology is going to change on them, right? Yeah. And they're going to say, well, my teacher was 55 and she could totally fix this so I can do it too. So, you know, we need to be able to say, it's okay that I don't know everything. Yeah, and absolutely. sometimes let the students take charge of the class. Let them teach a lesson. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Life will go on. There, it, it will not ruin anything in the big picture. What, Use their genius. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So just to be uh, respectful of your time here, why don't we close out with, so if someone's listening to this and goes, okay, I've got, I've, I need to get going. Or if someone's listening going, yes, I'm already doing Genius Hour. Either way, what would be some some key like two or three tips just for anyone, whether it's, it's, it's a re, just a refresher of their minds, they're getting ready to jump into it, or they've never done it, just to get going to make it a great experience. Oh boy! Okay, well, I would definitely start with the Liberating Genius lesson. So there's a free ebook. It's at Choose to Matter dot com slash uh, liberating genius it's free it's a one note format or you can go on amazon and buy the book for twenty four ninety five. i'd get it free <laughs> it's just me but I, the, the walk-up lessons are vital i did i've done genius hour now for four years and the first two were without any kind of walk-up lessons it was me creating the excitement which was a little more difficult so that lays this foundation so I would say start there. And if you want to see what it looks like in a classroom, you are more than welcome. And Aaron will put the link into my docs.com page that has my OneNotes uh, and, and my journal of our journey. So you can see what the lessons look like in class. And you will find that there was one day of lessons when I was ready to throttle the class. <laughs> and But we used that and we turned it around and we made – a. actually, the lesson for the day was perfect for it. So, you know, like with any good teaching, you got to be flexible. That's always the big thing, too, is don't don't sweat it. If you can't fit it in at a certain time on a certain day, there's always another time to do it. It's okay. Um, so those are the places where I would start. Uh, you're more than welcome, your listeners, to reach out to me. I'm, I'll be happy. It's tdunbar at musd.net or my website, teachergeekishik.com. And I'll be more than happy to talk to you about it. I think the easiest thing is to uh, ask questions of the people who have done it. And when you see it in action, then you, you're like anybody is. Oh, I can do that. Right. And you can. I love it. I love it. Your yeah. students will thank you for it. Yes, they will. They will. And I can speak from experience. I still have kids that we're doing student voice stuff with that started five years ago with Angela. And now we're, we have a, a statewide and national movement with student voice. And it started with one group feeling empowered that, that their voice actually mattered through a Genius Hour project. And so – it's amazing uh, what can come out of it in the big picture, whether big or small. It, it, it's all so powerful. Uh, yeah. If you've got an administrator that's that's uh, finicky, uh, just keep your eye on the students. And as long as the focus is on students and student uh, success and proficiency, you're going to be fine. I love it's it. all about the kids. I love it. Well, I think that's a great point to, to kind of wrap this up. I definitely think um, – We'll be checking back in, especially as you uh, engage in your own Genius Hour research project. Uh, we might have to do a follow-up podcast so people can find out what, what you actually find out. Can, can, can Does the data show two things? Because I think, one, my gut tells me it will because we know how important relationships are, especially in a day and age where so much is pushing that away and focusing so much on numbers. And we all know kids are more than just numbers. 
Um, and so this is this is great stuff, and I and I hope it I hope it turns out really well. So thank you so much for your time, Tammy. We we greatly appreciate it um, for for having you here on, on this first episode of season three of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Thank you for having me. My classroom feels like chaos sometimes, <laughs> but learning is messy, isn't it? That's right. It is. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thanks, Aaron. you found some groundbreaking work with this episode let me know what you think leave a comment as always if you enjoy this on itunes i would love a, a review and a rating and until the next episode we have another groundbreaking educator and if you have an awesome idea that you think is worthy of the people to listen to to challenge the status quo of education reach out to me i'd love to connect with you and we can make something happen thanks so much for listening i appreciate your time, your devotion, education, and helping students become great human beings. And until the next episode, stay awesome.